It's Friday and it's time for another podcast, another social media podcast. Welcome along then. How are you doing? I'm Simon Scholes, the founder and creative director of Perception Studios, the award-winning visual marketing agency based in the UK, helping brands and businesses make their content really stand out uh, with bespoke visuals for social media. Uh, And every single week I chat to another business owner all about what they do, how they use social media, and just find out a little bit more about them. Uh, This week is no exception and it's a really, really interesting story. Sit back and get ready to meet Kat McLeod. The Social Media Podcast with Simon Scholes. Tips, hints and great content ideas. Hi Kat, how are you? I'm doing great Simon, how are you? I'm very well, especially now we're definitely on the right time zone. So, um, before we get started, um, I try and normally get most of my guests to do what they, I would call it like your 60-second pitch. So when you go networking, obviously you introduce yourself. So what would you say that it is that you do now as a business? Because obviously you've got a, a varied background, which we'll go into. But what is it you do now? What would you pitch yourself as? I help pampered moms nail the subset of their niche that is going to make them the most income in the time spent and pair that with fulfillment and meaningful work. Fantastic. Sounds interesting. And we'll get that into that a little bit more. Um, now, I know it's, you've had quite a varied uh, background, um, but I want to take you back to the very start because obviously that's the meat and the bones of it. So tell me what it, how you actually got started. Where, where did you begin when, when you were starting to, on your entrepreneurial journey? I started my first business 20 years ago. I'm going to give a tiny bit of backstory to uh, give some reference for this business. I grew up in an extremely abusive household. I was beaten on a regular basis. I thought I was going to be murdered and I was quite screwed up. I was smart, luckily, and did go to college and got my bachelor's degree. And during college, I started stripping to for money and financial independence to pay off credit card bills, mm-hmm. moved to Los Angeles, did not want to do lap dancing, which is the common here because my father was so abusive. I wanted no one touching me and I just didn't want to do that. Yeah. So I answered an ad to become a dominatrix. So this is actually my first business. I learned how to do uh, dominatrix work. And I actually enjoyed it for the first six months or so because I got to turn the tables on and act out some of the abuse that was given to me. And I got well paid for it. And these people wanted it. But I got I quickly burned out on it. It was mentally taxing. It was actually physically taxing. And I just did not enjoy it anymore. So I decided to niche down to only what I most enjoyed slash tolerated, to be truthful. And that is how, at the age of 22, I found out when you niche, you grow rich. I thought I was going to have to get my first quote-unquote normal job because here I was just doing a tiny portion of something that falls under the the BDSM world. And instead my business exploded. My clientele went up. I over doubled my rates and I was running a multiple six figure business at the age of 22. Wow. Wow. Um, and obviously we're not going to go too deep into that, but, um, so, so what was the, the, the obvious next step for you? And I'm guessing at some point or another, it kind of clicked into place and you realized that that also wasn't for you and you wanted to take a step away from that. What, what happened there? 
I would love to say that I easily transitioned out and I did not. I burned out of that within a year, yet I stayed in that business for five years. I multiple times tried to shut down the business and I kept going back to it. I It was just too easy to make that much. I made multiple hundreds of dollars an hour and I had regular clients for year after year and it was just too alluring for me to give up. And I did not know how to make that kind of money on my own, not owning that business. I was just going to say, was it almost a bit of a golden handcuff situation? It totally was like stripping was too. The, the, the wonderful thing about stripping was that I was able to get independence away from my family's home. I don't think I would have had, I would have been scared to move to Los Angeles without knowing that I could support myself in that way, even though I chose not to, when I moved out here, but I knew I could do it. And this was another way there. Here I was making multiple six figures in my early 20s, very successful, own my own property here in expensive coastal Southern California, yet I felt handcuffed to it, exactly like you said. Yeah, yeah. So how did you make that step then eventually in the end? And where did you make that step to? It was not an easy step. At the time, I had eating disorders, suffered from depression, anxiety, and I started adding into my life. So it wasn't like I just closed shop and then boom, a success in a different field. It was a slow addition of doing some yoga, finding other things I was interested in, doing a lot of therapy. And by the end of the fifth year, I just could not do it anymore. I was dying inside. I felt really unpurposeful, unmeaningful like living a life of not purpose. Yeah. I did not feel like I was leading a meaningful life. And I was basically swallowing up so much of myself to continue the successful business. Luckily for me, one of my clients who was a regular of mine for five years, I was honest with them because they could see that I was not joyous. I was definitely not as happy as I once was. Yeah. And we talked about it. I told him the truth and he wound up hiring me into his corporate company. And I easily transitioned to corporate and I grew a huge division of his company that's still successful over a decade later. And it was fun at first is like another example. It was fun at first, but I quickly grew tired of having a boss, having to be in an office all day, having a set schedule, having someone managing me. I did not enjoy any of that because I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I was just going to say, you must have found that so, it's okay. I was just going to say, you must have found that so difficult going from working for yourself essentially to working for someone else. Most people do it the opposite way around. It was really difficult for me. I, I've always been independent and I, I, I guess I had that entrepreneurial experience and you can imagine that I do not like to be told what to do by like a domineering man. Not that he was like that. My, that, that client was very, that client was very nice. He was even a nice boss, but he was a little bit micromanaging, which I do not like. Hmm. So where did you go from there? And so you were in the corporate world. What was the next thing Kat decided to do? I, I could not stay in the corporate world. It was not for me. So I decided to go get 
go back to graduate school and get my master's in psychology because during all of this time, I did a lot of therapy to get my head like halfway on straight. We'll say I'm in my 20s. I would, I'm being generous to say halfway on straight at that point. So I went back and got my master's. And as my second year graduate school project, I chose to help women transition out of the sex industry. I knew how challenging this transition is because these women are used to making hundreds, if not thousands of dollars an hour, depending on their profession, and then trying to transition them into quote unquote normal life work was just not going to happen. So I helped them start fulfilling high profit businesses for the time spent. Actually, at that point in my life, I did not even worry about fulfilling. We just thought about high profit for the time spent so that these women could have something to transition into and away from work that was that they did not enjoy. I do, and, and was that something that obviously from your from your history and your past as, as well, obviously must have been hugely gratifying? Yes, that's why I chose it. As my second year project, I did not get paid for any of that work. I didn't start charging for that until I actually graduated with my master's in psychology and became a certified coach. That's when I started charging. So it was all free. Brilliant. And and, uh, I'm guessing there's plenty of success stories still out there right now. I hope so. There were some success stories. I was a brand new coach, never had any business coaching training, did not have my master's yet. And I will say it was a challenging population. Definitely know of some success stories to this day from that. Do not keep up with a, a lot of those people from over a decade ago, but I do know of two success stories. So I'm, ha- I'm really happy about that, that I, that I have bre- like loosely kept up with. Good, good. So skipping forward a little bit, um, You've had children, and obviously that's um, that's a hard hard work in its own right. And I do da- <laughs> I do daddy daycare twice a week, so I know exactly how difficult it is to try and run a business and look after a child at the same time. In fact, there is no business done when you're looking after a child, um, as as I'm sure you well know. <laughs> so, how did you get back into the business world once you had children? I actually planned on being a pampered stay-at-home mom the rest of my life. So I met and married my husband about a decade ago. When we met, I had 10 times more money than he did. No one rescued me. However, he's very intelligent. He was 23 at the time. He already owned a home, and he was already a high earner. So I always planned on being a pampered stay-at-home mom. We had some issues conceiving and carrying a child. So I was just so thrilled to be able to stay at home with my son. When he went to preschool for the first time and I actually had me time, I became really irritable, restless, grumpy, spending way too much time surfing the internet, looking at stupid gossip sites. And I just had too much knowledge and I just wasn't done. The entrepreneurial spirit was trying to get its way out, find its way out, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I really thought I was going to stay in this pampered lifestyle and... Luckily for me, another mom that I knew was feeling crazy too. So I helped her start a business on the side just for a buzz. I didn't charge her. It was really fun. And she still makes money from this business. It's still successful. And she limits it because she's like me. She does not have to work. We do so because we we love it. And it's really nice to have identity outside of motherhood again, to be just cat again, yeah. and to use all my skills to help others. I am now just scaling my business online, just starting in June. So I've had my first several online clients and I help people take their offline expertise online. It's been an easy transition that way or start 
offline businesses, real life businesses. A lot of my clients have real life businesses and my newer clients have online businesses. I've been able to easily transition both because business is business. The fundamentals are the same. Absolutely. And now it would be remiss of me as it is the social media podcast to ask you about social media, of course. And so, and we'll ask you on both sides of the business for your customers and for yourself. So first of all, for yourself, how do you find that you are using social media within what it is that you're doing and, and how you're trying to get the word out maybe about what it is that you do as well? I completely use social media for all of my online clients. I run my own Facebook group. I do my online marketing. I write posts. I write valuable content. And that's how I've been able to easily attract all my new online clients, even though I've been honest that all my expertise has been real life up until now. But now I have several success stories of my online clients. So I completely use social media. I have to tell you that I am not good at using Instagram. I know that's really popular. People in my industry loving Pinterest right now. I am just, I focus on what's working for me. And for me, running my Facebook group works for me. I'm easily able to attract clients from that group and I am enjoying running the group. I think that's probably because you're a people person. Even going back to the original business that you worked in, as much as you didn't enjoy it and the reason you were doing it was probably not for the best reasons, you're still a people person after all. Oh, absolutely. Because I had a lot of the same clients for the, for five years or many years, we'll say. And we definitely, I felt like I was still using my psychology degree a lot. And I did develop those relationships. So how do you go about finding clients then on things like Facebook and that kind of stuff? Do you launch yourself into mummy groups or local groups? Or how, how do you go about doing it? I actually do not use any mommy groups because mommy groups do not allow any promotion or anything to do about business. And I understand they're there for support. So I run my own group and I've attracted people in through value added posts from business groups or some mommy groups where people are just curious about what I do. And in my own groups, I offer live trainings. I give a lot of value. I talk about the four key steps to a successful business. I talk about nailing people's niches and I have testimonials in my group so people can get on a call with me and see if we're an amazing fit at this point in my business. I only take dream clients because yeah. I work for pleasure and enjoyment. And yes, I love making money because it feels good to make high income. It does not feel good to make peanuts. I really educate moms on preventing them from wasting months, if not years on what I call online low profit businesses, because a lot of mom, a lot of these online low profit businesses, I call them mom traps. A lot of moms fall for them. And I call those blogging and thinking you're just going to blog and you're going to all of a sudden make money without a solid monetization plan. YouTube, where you need 10,000 subscribers before you can even make a penny or like MLM. These are businesses I do not work with. And I do a lot of education so that moms do not waste a lot of time on them. Cause a lot of my clients come to me after spending months, if not years doing those online low profit businesses. I only focus on high profit and I draw my clients to me with my value added post and my video lives on these subjects. Cool. And, and you know what? It's not just moms who get drawn into those traps. So many people believe there's magic pills out there for 
that writing a blog and suddenly they'll start being asked to go travel overseas and get paid for it or uh, post something on Instagram and, and they'll get the same or <laughs> a, a quick tweet, one tweet and they'll get a five million pound deal. And it, it's trying to explain to people these days are gone, that, that it's a cannibalized market and you have to really stand out and, and be creative with what you're doing. And, and yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting world at the moment. So when you actually get that ideal client, that dream client, um, what what would be the first thing that you do? Do you work with them from literally startup, from inception of the business, or do they come to you and say, "I'm already making some money," or is it a mixture of the two? It's a mixture of the two. Most of my clients have come to me at ground zero. No clients, no business. Uh, a couple of my newer online clients had been trying on their own for one. Okay, one of them had been trying on her own for almost a year and a half. She had too generalized of an offering. It was not clear. I am not afraid to really niche down for, like I shared with you, I learned to do that 20 years ago on accident. I niched her down really, really down to specialize on only one software program and to I just helped her learn how to talk to her target audience. She's the specialist in that, and she gets client after client. So she easily paid for all of my services in two clients, and she is she's just easily able to get clients that way. Another one of my clients, the same thing happened. Her niche was too, she thought she was niching. She was resistant to niching, and she, her marketing was landing on deaf ears. This is not a usual result. However, after our first call together, she landed her first paying client the very next day. And within three weeks, she had three paying clients and she's full because that's wow. all she wants for her life and her practice because she is mom first. That's fantastic. That's really cool. So when you go in there and they're at that startup stage or whatever stage they're at, once you've got them past the niche side of things, which is, I, I was chatting about this the other week as well on, on another interview where it amazes me how many people, when you start talking to them, don't know who their avatar is and haven't niched it down far enough. But once you've got them past that point, what's the first thing you get people to do? And I know the first thing I've been told to do in the past and I try and get my clients to do, but it'd be interesting to know from your point of view as well. The first thing I have them do is talk to their target audience. Once we <clears throat> determine the subset of their niche, we go and talk to their audience. You got to do that market research. You have to learn the pain points from your audience's point of view. I actually encourage them to record this because we're going to later use this for their marketing. You must get their pain point, really hear it and see which pain point you can really solve for them. And that's how you're going to craft the offers in this online marketplace that is so crowded that they're going to really go, oh, this is my person. She's going to solve it for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I like that a lot. That's, um, that, yeah, that's probably the next step. And then one of the things that was always thrust home at me was forget everything else, just fucking sell. If you can't, if you're not selling, you can't. You don't make any money. Everything else can come afterwards. It's nice to have a nice website. It's nice to do this, nice to do that. But if you're not selling, then you're making nothing. And then if you're making nothing, you might as well fold up and go and get a job. That's 
totally truthful because a lot of people will spend way too much time on a fancy website branding and all of this stuff that really doesn't matter. The client I just mentioned to you, she does not have a website up and we haven't even been able to get the copy for a website done because she just keeps landing clients by doing the exact way I taught her to speak to your clients, offer them a little of value, let them know that you're the expert and then they just ask to work with her. So she's been easily able to sign up clients. So that is, I mean, I, I, I don't frame it as selling at this point. I really frame it at market research for my people yeah. starting at zero. Otherwise they put too much pressure on themselves and they make it about themselves and they make it about pitching their services when it's really about the needs of your clients, the needs of your target audience. They need to know that you are really hearing them. And then at the end, so the last 20%, you talk about how you can help them with that. And I feel like that is the best way to connect. And I also encourage people to not look at this point as like, I hope I get a client. I hope I get a client. Yes, it does happen here. And sometimes it does not happen here with the pressure on. I feel like people perform way worse. It's not authentic. It's not about the connection. As you mentioned, I love to connect when people feel like they can really connect with you and trust you. It's going to be much easier to have that client want to work with you. Then if you start putting pressure on yourself, like, Oh, during this thing, I gotta, I gotta sell. I gotta sell really feel <laughs> if you can solve your person's problem, and then if you can, present how. Yeah, and, and the big thing with social media as well, and it's something that I preach quite passionately, is that actually you shouldn't be selling on social media anyway. Social media is about being social. That, that, that's the most important word out of those two. And so many people forget that and just try and thrust a sale down somebody's throat. And we're bombarded with messages all the time to buy things. So actually when you get somebody doing what you're preaching, which is, give them some value, actually listen to what their problem is in the first place and then go, you know what, I can fix it. You're onto a winner straight away. Exactly. It is about connection because in the bottom line is people buy from people. Yes, there was a heyday of the the do-it-yourself courses and the webinars and all of that. And those can be effective, but the bottom line is they have a single-digit completion rate. People really do like to connect with people and buy from people. Your, the, your customer at the other end, your client at the other end is a person, a person that needs to trust you and know that you're going to solve what it is that they want. So with your clients, when, when you do talk social media, do you drive them towards one particular area or do you say so something that I talk about is trying to remove the friction as easily as you can, especially when you're first starting out? So try if you possibly can to create content that will repurpose for lots of different channels how, how do you work with it i am definitely not the social media expert that would be you <laughs> i am you. a one-trick pony <laughs> at this point and i basically focus on facebook i feel like there is a lot of money to be had on facebook i know instagram is also hugely popular and facebook is what i focus on because i feel like if you put a lot of energy into one place and you do it really well, you execute it, it's going to yield results versus trying to do everything and spreading your energy thin. Now, other people who enjoy that, that's fine, but that's not something that I personally enjoy. So I go all in on Facebook right now and I have my own email list, the traditional way through my own uh, webinar and training funnels. Awesome. But awesome. Facebook for connection works best for me. And I encourage my clients to do say, the same thing. And that's how they've been getting all their clients. And um, so what's next for Kat then? What, where, where do you see yourself going next? Do you want to 
take over the world with the, the coaching that you do or do you want to just keep it small and, and niche like you are doing? Well, what do you want to do next? Right now, while my son is six years old and I still am mom first, I want to keep a very high-end boutique business working one-on-one with my clients and running small mastermind groups. I will also be coming out with a do-it-yourself course so that I can help the population that I just mentioned that I no longer work with exclusively with the sex industry or anybody who needs to nail their niche and cannot afford a mentor or coach like myself so that they can know that niche and not get stuck there. And I'm open for the future. I would say on the five-year horizon, when my son starts middle school, I'll be really ready to scale my business to a minimum of a half a million to seven figures a year. And at this point, I'm happy with my six-figure business because that is really, it's very pleasurable. I love my clients. I have a lot of mom time and free time. And that's really important to me at this point in my life. And let's be honest, the most important thing about working for yourself is that you actually enjoy it. If if you're not enjoying it, there's no point. You might as well just lay down your tools and go and work for somebody else again. Exactly. I might as well be doing the fetish business again. I made more money doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, where can everybody find you, Kat? I'm going to put your details and and everything in the description of this podcast anyway, but where's the one place that you would like people to come out and seek you? I can be found at sahmentrepreneur.com. That stands for stay-at-home mom entrepreneur sahmentrepreneur.com. On there, I have the four key steps to starting a fulfilling high profit business. It's a 50 minute training. That's my love gift for anybody who needs help and cannot afford a mentor or a business coach. And that will give them the four key steps so they don't get lost. And at least they'll know a very, very loose framework of what to follow. And my work with me page is there. So if you feel called to reach out to me to find out more about me, there's information about me and you can book a call to see if we're an amazing fit to work together. And there's also a link to my Facebook community where I'm at almost every single day. Fantastic. Well, Kat, thank you so much for speaking to me. It's um, been an absolute honor. It's been an honor to be here. Brilliant. And uh, take care and good luck with the six-year-old. Thank you so much. (laughs) This was a Perception Studios production.